get away from this passage of scripture, not get away from, but, you know, as I progressed through the, the word, this just kept coming back into my heart and into my mind. So I thought, all right, Lord, what do you, what do you want to share? And, uh, so this is just where he took me back to the parable of the talents. We talked about the parable of the virgins. We talked about fullness and it's been really powerful to me. Like I love living this journey with you guys because the conversation that we're having, you know, it's like when we, when we all get a hold of something together, we start talking about it together where it's like you're reminding me and preaching to me, speak out of your fullness. Like my wife this week, even though I had that challenge that week of purging that week of pruning, she's reminding me each day, not preaching at me to, you know, put me off, but just saying like, we're praying for fullness. Like we're, we're full, like don't get in the mindset of lack, you know, like, just because it feels like hell doesn't mean it is, you know. <laughs> Amen. Barb was there. I mean, many of us were just, you know, Michelle, Dave, you guys, we're all just being pruned, Ginger. You know, we're going through Ron Green. Um, so, again, what I love about what Dave said is my suffering's not more important than your suffering. And your suffering's not more important than my suffering. We bear with one another. So, scriptures, like, bear each other's burdens. It means... The best way to get your mind off your suffering is intercede so someone else is suffering less. Right? So the moment you feel that pressure and strain and stress, stop thinking about you and start praying for your family. Everybody in the body of Christ. Just, you know, we can pray for David and Rachel in Texas. You know, we can pray for my mom in Minnesota. We can pray for Lauren in Georgia. We don't know what's going on in their life, but the prayer of the righteous avails much. So... Shifting, always shifting off of like self and will always be strengthening to who we are and the sweetness of what God's doing in other people's lives. So there, this parable, the talents follows that word about fullness. So he t- I don't believe at all that scripture or Jesus spoke randomly. So I really believe that the word of God was very succinct and even how it's put together. I just believe in the sovereignty of Jesus, like assembling things and breathing his word and prophesying to a deeper place than just the surface level. And so that's the beauty of Proverbs 25 too. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to find it out. So what the Lord's done for us is he's let us be on this lifelong, eternal Um, scavenger hunt so to speak in that we're not adding to what he said but we're discovering the layers within what he said that will always grow us from faith to faith and glory to glory so we're not saying scripture means this even though it once meant that what we're saying is scripture did mean this and it means this and it means this and it means that so we're not throwing out the old to put in the new but whatever's built upon, that's what Paul said, I only build upon the foundation of Jesus. So anything you build, like in through the word of God, has to put you back to a right perspective of Jesus. And now has to put you in a right perspective of Jesus in the new covenant. It can't put you in a perspective of God in the old covenant because that has passed away. In fact, it's lost its glory so much so that the new covenant's glory has superseded it, that yes. the old former covenant actually seems as though it has zero glory. So 
Doesn't mean it went away. Doesn't mean it's not valuable. Doesn't mean it doesn't point to Jesus. Doesn't mean you won't learn through it. Doesn't mean you shouldn't preach it. It means what is it focusing on? And it's all about making Jesus bigger. So the parable of the virgins is all about fullness. They come to the prepared place full. Okay? And then you have this immediate teaching following that. So Jesus is literally like just finishes telling you about the virgins, the foolish ones who came and they didn't they weren't full. So they they had lack in their life. And then he brings you this parable of the talents. He says this, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave 5 talents, to another 2, to another 1, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. So he's, he's giving us a picture of the, of the Father. He's giving us a picture of himself, really. And he's saying, I'm going to entrust to my servants according to the ability I know they have. See, he's not entrusting it to them based on the ability they think they have. Because it didn't say one came and said, give me five, I'm prepared to use five. Another one came and said, give me two, I'm prepared to multiply two. Another one came and said, just give me one, I'm, I'm, about, I'm a good for one talent guy. Because the Father judges the heart of man. Okay, So he rightly judges and understands each one of us according to the faith we've been given, according to the hunger, the thirst, the desire. He knows all that stuff. In Isaiah 5, he talks about... You know, I, I planted this vineyard and I, I expected it to produce good grapes. The reason he expected it to produce good grapes is because the people that he was going to plant there had the potential to produce good grapes. And so he knew why he planted the vineyard. And at the end of it says, except they went into bondage because they don't have the knowledge of who they are, even though they're honorable men. So when people don't have the knowledge of who they are in his eyes then they're the ones determining their future. Not Jesus. And so what happens a lot of times is people become comparative in the body of Christ based on what they think they have been given and based on what they think they're capable of. But in reality, the humble heart comes and says, you know what I'm capable of. You said I'm your bride. You said I rule and reign with you. You said I co-labor. You said I'm the one that changes things through prayer. You're the one who said I can overcome and that I can do all things through you who strengthens me. You said I can be pure in heart. You said I'm sanctified. You said I'm holy. You said these things, these things will not only be multiplied in my life, I will ensure they get multiplied in people's lives. See, that's the life of the disciple who starts to understand who are they in light of who he said they are. So this master is saying he's going on a journey, which Jesus did. He left planet Earth. He went on a journey. He entrusted his servants with talents. Okay? So he, under the old covenant, remember this, under the old covenant is teaching a parable. No one was God's son except him when he's speaking. So he's calling them servants, but there's a future generation that will arise that will be sons and daughters. We will be adopted. Okay? So it's not, he, he's teaching this from the perspective of the fullness of revelation that was available at that moment. But you also have to understand now, as a servant of God, right? It's much different than being a son of God. So he's entrusting them with these talents, five, two, and one. Watch what he says. He said, 
he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, (laughs) it's been a long time, Jesus, we're ready, right? Come back. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of, of, the, of your master. He, also, he who also had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Here's what you'll notice. Regardless of what Jesus gives you, the reward is the same. The body of Christ gets really tweaked because what we start to do is compare who has more talent. Instead of being focused on what's the actual reward Of what Jesus has given you. The reward is the joy of your master. The joy of our Lord. The joy of our father now. The joy of being one with him. Like doing what you're called to do in the kingdom. Isn't about a position. It isn't about notoriety. It is not about fame. It's not even about ever being known. In fact he says don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. And he says if you receive praise from men in this life. You've lost your reward and glory. So actually fame. Wrongly appreciated in the heart of the one receiving it. Can be a detriment to an eternity. Dangerous. Like I'm not saying you know that. Everyone who's famous has a problem. What I'm saying is in the heart of. Justin, if I ever became somebody with influence and notoriety, I better be sure that that never has any attachment on my heart. Right? And any one of us in this room, that could be the possible. You could be the next Angus Buck back in South, South, you know, South Africa. And if that, was the, if that was the case, you better be sure your heart isn't set on being famous. Your heart is set on knowing him. So we, go, we get squirrely because we preach, messages are preached about how many talents do you have. And then we give tests in churches on what are your spiritual gifts. And now you leave wondering what you have, how to use it, and now you're condemned because now you have this thing over your head that says you have this gift and that gift, why aren't you operating in them? And it's a setup. And I believe that the enemy uses the church in such a profound way to set people up for condemnation, bitterness, being overwhelmed, depressed, Sorrowful because it, it causes everyone who leaves out the door to be thinking about themselves. When you leave today, you should be thinking about Jesus. How big is he? How good is he? How faithful is he? What, what has he done? What is he going to do? What is exciting about who he is, right? You should never leave a time of gathering together, strengthening one another, being encouraged, wondering, where do I fall short? How come I'm this? And how come I'm that? Don't do that. Like, leave your falling short at the door, literally. Every door you go through, leave it there and walk forward in the fullness of who you are in Him. Because the more you remind yourself of the fullness you are, and the less you think about who has what and what do I not. Again, think about it, right? 
He's talking about fullness of the virgins. There's virgins who showed up and they were ready, Barb. They were ready. They were full. And there was five who showed up and they were not ready. Why? They didn't come with fullness. They came with lack. And immediately then he teaches this thing about he gets five and he gets two and he gets one. And do you know if the, if the natural man is listening to that, you know what the natural man's going to do? Why did he get five? <laughs> so he's literally like testing the revelation of the virgin parable with the virgin of the talents and seeing where people will, will determine in their own hearts. Because he's saying don't come with a mindset of lack. You won't be ready. And yeah. In the Passion Translation, at the end of those two conversations with uh, the, the two people with the talents, it says, You will experience the, the light of your master who will say to you, Come celebrate with me. Mm. He didn't say to the one with five, Come celebrate with me. I'm going to show you a grand time in the other one. Come, come celebrate with me. Right. It was the same. Exactly. His attitude and his heart towards them were the same. Right. And that's, and that's really the point. It's not... Barb has this and I only have that. The point is, if I go with what he's given me, I get the same reward as anyone in the body of Christ. Billy Graham may have led, you know, six million people to Jesus when he was alive and 15 million since he's been gone, you know, through his life and what he's done. He doesn't get a bigger reward than the joy of his master. That's right. Right? He will celebrate, we will celebrate with him just like he does. Yeah. And we're going to be next to Billy and Paul and Peter and Timothy and Jesus celebrating one church who just raised up and glorified God through the believers who came in. Like, it's not like there's in the tally sheet, you know, like there is specific reward for the individual relationship you have. The Bible talks about that. You'll get the crown of glory, the crown of life. But that's between you and the Lord. You'll have a stone on it with, with a name that only he knows, like. That's about intimacy. It's not about, you don't walk around your stone going, oh, see my name? Like, oh, you got a name like this? You know, like, no, that's just about me and Jesus, you know? And so that's what it is now. So I, I say that because if the revelation of the bride really will start to take hold in the church, right? We're adopted. He's a good father. We're brought in. We're sons and daughters. But we're not just staying sons and daughters. We're transitioned to a bride. We're transitioned to a place of authority. We're transitioned to a place of ruling. We're transitioned to a place. That's what he's coming back for. I'm coming for the bride. I, I mean, he didn't say I'm coming for sons and daughters. I'm coming for my bride. Because she's going to understand who she is. She's got to come into the family in order to be the leader of the family. So as we're one church, here's what was spoken about this morning from you guys. Don't get stuck in your bubble. Right? Get busy. You'll encounter, Jesus will encounter people through life, deliverance, healing, the power of God, because he wants to rattle stuff off of us. David and Rachel's lives are a picture of the transformation possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. They are using their talents to multiply, as you talked about them reading over their children. And then pruning, purging, and dismantling was mentioned by multiple people this entire morning. I point that out because you guys all confirmed why the Lord took me back to Matthew 25. Literally. Because, watch what he says. 
He says, well done, well done. These guys get the same reward. And now verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him. Now remember, this is the Lord's response. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's three people in the, in the parable. Two of the people, are all three are given, given what they have. Right? 1 Corinthians 7 says you have nothing, or 2 Corinthians 7 says you have nothing that was not given to you by the Lord. Everyone is given a measure of faith. Everyone is given talents. Everyone is given because Jesus is generous. Like he doesn't withhold. So everyone has. Whoever has, more will be given. You have to have the mindset that you're full. When your mindset is you're full, you're going to be given more. Because whoever has not... Whatever they have will be taken away. Watch this. When you live in a place of depression, like I've lived there, when you live in a place of depression and you have your mind, yourself in that place, you're constantly bombarded by what you do not have. And when you think about what you do not have and you speak about what you do not have and your mindset and your heart set is I do not have, What you even have is actually taken away because you can't see it anymore. No one likes me. No one wants to be around me. Nobody thinks I'm this. Nobody thinks I'm that. I don't have any friends. And you know what? You have friends, but because you see them not as friends, you remain isolated in a hole and go down, 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 down until the ones who were your friends can't even take it anymore because every time they try, you simply look at them in the face and say, I don't have any friends and they're trying to be a friend. Do you see what I'm saying? He who has a mindset of lack, what he has will be taken. And mostly because power of life and death is in the tongue. When you live a lifestyle of not having, you declare what you don't have and the enemy takes it from you. So, whoever has, so here's the mindset of the believer. I'm full. I don't care if rent's not paid. I don't care if I don't got money for groceries. I'm full and what I need will show up on my doorstep. I will not beg bread. Jesus said the righteous don't beg bread. I'm righteous because he died and I'm born again. So, hey, bring the bread. Like that type of mindset Jesus loves. It's like, yeah, you're getting more. See, it isn't even the behavior. Think about it. It isn't the reward here from the master isn't, hey, you did good with your five talents. 
There's no conversation here about how did you invest those five talents? Like, how did you produce five more? Like, your behavior in those five talents producing, man, come into the joy. You really knocked it out of the park. Oh, you had two? What did you do with your two talents? How did you make it happen? Where did you go? What did you? No. Oh, you brought back to me more than I gave you? Enter into the joy of your master. Oh, you got more than I gave you? Enter. Where did you get the more that I gave you? I gave it to you. How did the five talents even get multiplied? It's because of the goodness of the Father. It's because you don't have anything, Scripture says, unless He gives it to you. So even when you multiply five talents, it wasn't you anyway. Colossians 1.29 says, It's the power of God at work within me. The energy of God is at work within me, multiplying His talents. And I turn around and go, Hey, here's, here's everything that I have. And He's like, Aha! Yes, more. Here, have some more. But here is where I wanted to just give a word of warning. And, I, and I'll do this cautiously because I'm not the authority in the body of Christ. But I see a dangerous trend. And I only have to bring it up because the Lord won't let it go. For me. The dangerous trend I see is the preaching of the fear of the Lord in the church. And here's why it's dangerous. It's being preached as works. It's being preached as your responsibility. So there are sermon after sermon, spirit-filled people, non-spirit-filled people. There's so many sermons right now that are hitting the airwaves. And there's people that are being caught. I feel like they're being caught in something that's extremely dangerous. And let me just sort it out before you guys form too many and throw me out if I'm totally a heretic. It's cool. I don't mind. I'm just going to keep loving Jesus if I'm on the sidewalk or in this place. So... Um, I believe in my heart of hearts, anything that divides me against a brother or a sister in my own eyes is religion. And any time that I can call myself and and place myself in a better position than a brother or a sister because of something I can label, I've already stepped away from the reality of the kingdom. Okay? So here's the danger of preaching the fear of the Lord as your responsibility. Now when you leave, you're caught wondering, am I fearing the Lord enough? You're caught in a quandary. Am I fearing Him enough? And, you're, you, and here's what you begin to do. Grace, fear the Lord. Grace, fear the Lord. Don't be too easy. Don't be too hard. Oh, but where's the line? Like, you got to fear the Lord. I hear this person. Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, what, what does this look like? Here's the point. Jesus didn't come to put us in quandary. He came to set us free from that kind of thinking. Like, that's what Scripture says. I came to set you free. When you're free, you're not caught trying to walk a line you don't know how to walk. Okay? That's, that's not freedom. Freedom in, in Jesus isn't... And then you get in a room with people you kind of agree with and people in a room you don't kind of agree with and then you're like, I don't know, they said this and you know, he preached that and he preached that and I'm caught and I'm caught, I don't know where to go. Throw that out, okay? I just want to help. I, I, I want to help us, myself included, with a simply understanding this. 
No one fears the Lord more than Jesus. No one. He fears him perfectly. The fear of the Lord lives inside Jesus perfectly. Jesus lives inside me perfectly. I'm one with him. Do I need to know if I fear the Lord? My answer is yes, all the time. Because Christ in me is the hope of my glory. And he walks in perfect fear of the Lord. And when Justin gets a little high on his horse, Jesus sits me down and says, Justin, pay attention. Here's your correction. Here's your discipline. Here's where I'm shifting. Here's where I'm adjusting. The world doesn't center around you, Justin. It centers around me. Right? And the reason I can walk in humility is not because I'm humble. I walk in humility because Christ in me brings the fear of the Lord to my heart and stirs me and turns me away from where I think I'm high and lofty. Yeah, please. Um, this goes with what you're saying. It's really to help me out. 